Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy, and we are back with new conversations after a five-month-long pause. And obviously, we have stored up a lot of words and so many stories because this was one conversation that could have kept going and going. (laughs) I know, things get tender as we take you behind the scenes into some of our most personal stories. And we ask that most human of questions, if no one sees what you wrote or made or launched or grew, does it matter that you did it if there's no real impact? Get comfy, friends. Here we go. Listeners, get ready because some geeking out is about to happen right now. Okay, this is just a geek out episode where we hope you will catch on our enthusiasm for one another because this year, drum roll please, Both of us have books coming out within almost exactly two months of each other. I'm so geeked out on Christie's. She, in fact, is obliged to geek out on mine since she helped advise and coach me through large sections of it. (laughs) (laughs) And part of what we hope to do today is just some um, jumping off from these two books in order to have a conversation that even if you haven't written a book ever, if you don't care about books, <laughs> that you'll be able to relate to because really what we're interested in talking about today is if there's something you've worked really hard on. So maybe it's at your your job, maybe it's a, a new business you're launching, maybe it's a class you've designed for your college kids, maybe it's something you painted, maybe it's a recipe, maybe it's your Etsy store, like whatever it is, you know what it's like to really sink yourself into something. And then comes the point where you have to let it go and you have to launch it into the world. And it becomes this weird teeter-totter of like hope, anticipation, and the potential for disappointment. And I think that's a little bit of what we're trying to scratch the surface of today. Is that right, Christy? Yeah, I think that's it with, you know, a lot of, like I feel it in my belly right now, maybe a little bit of angst, a little bit of butterflies. <laughs> but yes, definitely also hopes and dreams. <laughs> and so I thought it would be fun, it was my idea, to just read to you, to introduce you to, if you will, each other's mm. books. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. introduce you to Christie's first. And I think over the next few weeks, it's not like this is going to become a book promotion podcast, but it it is fun that we both have books coming out at almost the same time, to take Mm -hmm. you behind the scenes on some of these things, like how the covers came about, some of the chapters that were difficult, stories in it. That's Mm -hmm. fun. I I find it interesting. Like behind the scenes. That's always fun. But you know us. We're always going to connect it back to the ordinary life that you're in the middle of, listeners. Mm -hmm. So Christie's Mm -hmm. is exciting for me. It is. I like a trilogy. Who doesn't like a trilogy? This is the third (laughs) in a trilogy. And years ago, we were brainstorming titles for this book. She did not choose any of the ones that we thought we were going to choose. And that'll be part of the reason why I think will be part of what we tease out today. But the book is called, such a beautiful title, Seed Time and Harvest, How Gardens Grow Roots, Connection, Wholeness, and Hope. Look it up on Amazon. We'll have the link in the show notes. The cover photo is glorious. It's Christy in profile against the black barn, which feels so (laughs) on brand for us, Um, wearing her gardener's cap with a huge pail of blooms in her hand. And I won't tell you who shot the picture. We'll save that for another day. It's it's very fun. Um, And (laughs) I'll just read to you the, the book description. So here we go. Oh, Christy, I feel so like honored to introduce it. Okay, here we go. Seed Time and Harvest is a series of lyrical essays exploring the myriad ways that gardening deepens our understanding of the natural world and grows our capacity for care and connection. Here is a quiet manifesto, both practical and personal, for the value of gardening. After all, Gardens grow so much more than plants. They grow roots. Amid superficial routines and the inevitability of change, our efforts in the garden satisfy our longing to feel grounded and secure. They grow connection, 
Gardening is a shared experience, one that requires us to sacrifice our sense of self-reliance and let the outside in. They grow wholeness. As a garden grows and evolves, so does its caretaker. Whole gardens beget whole gardeners, and they grow hope. Even in the dark of winter, there will always be the promise of spring. Every end in the garden is the seed of a new beginning. Embrace this gentle invitation to plant seeds for a harvest of roots, connection, wholeness, and hope. And it comes out soon, everywhere books are sold, uh, March 5th. Now, Lisa Joe, you have given the lovely, lyrical introduction to the book. <laughs> and now I can tell you what it's really about, which is <laughs> that I knew this was the third. This was sort of concluding the Garden Trilogy. And I really, I had all these things that are related to gardening that I feel so passionate about. And I I needed an idea where they could all fit. I wanted to mm. write about butterflies and birds and bugs and chickens <laughs> and cats and dogs and kids and fruits and vegetables and flowers and trees and shrubs and all. And I realized at a certain point, oh, it's all this life of the garden. Oh. It's like this whole web hmm. of life and um and so that's where the idea started to take shape and then you know i ended up as, you know we never know where these things will take us ended up writing about generations about hmm. um a, a, the, i learned about the gardener who lived in my house like 70 years ago um when her son came knocking on my door so i write about that and um you know so whereas the first one garden maker was just like the magic of flowers and that kind of um my entry into gardening through just the beauty of flowers. And then A Home in Bloom was about gardens, not just being places we go and visit in the summer, but but a kind of year-round way of life. I feel like this is the kitchen sink book. This mm. is like where everything else <laughs> that mm. uh, matters to me about gardening and why gardening itself matters so much. This was um, the vessel. This is what holds it all. Mm. And so eventually that's where the title came up, Seed Time and Harvest, which actually is, it's from scripture. It is um, um, here at the beginning. Uh, I wish, well, you know, maybe I'll use this as a photo to, you know, go with our show notes or something, but I don't know if you can see, I love this picture. It's such a pretty um, opening spread of this rose. And then it has the scripture here, which is from Genesis chapter 8, 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And I chose that because to me it's like this idea of um, some. what is it that holds everything? It's like everything is held in the garden from mm. seed time to harvest, birth to death, um, summer to winter, like all of it. Mm. Um, the, you know, the children growing up. The food we eat, the flowers we grow, the bugs that are buzzing around, the dog who's running through the garden, the neighbors who are coming over to pick apples, like all this life. Mm. Um, the gardener is the garden is this place that holds it all. And for me, that's like a practical thing. Like it actually works that way, but it's also a spiritual truth as well. Mm. Um, so that's yeah, that's seed time and harvest. And it's like I feel like this was like my last. My last effort to to really communicate to people like this is why gardening is not just a hobby. Um, hobbies are wonderful. I have hobbies. <laughs> hobbies are great. Um, but gardening is more important than than that. It's more deeply rooted than that. And so this was, um, yeah, this was the book where I just really felt that compulsion to sort of get it all in there and for the whole thing to have this sense of like life and abundance and um, exuberance and um, and so that it made the photography really fun, but also challenging because now I wasn't just trying to take pictures of um, mm. roses that stood still. I was trying to take pictures of butterflies and birds <laughs> and chickens. <laughs> and these things move around. Uh, so should we pause there? Because I kind of want to read about your book now or... Sure. Is there anything more I, to say, or can yeah, I just go this for is it? maybe the like because it's like two books introducing themselves and saying their name. But I am so excited mm -hmm. for this mm -hmm. one. It sort of sounds like a feast when you describe it that way. Yeah, yeah. That it, 
actually feast is the right word. And so many of the photos in here are like luscious apples and plums and as well as the dahlias. And yeah, feast is exactly the right word. Mm. Um, oh man, Lisa Joe, just pulling your book up on Amazon is kind of, it's not kind of wild. It's really wild <laughs> because yes. it brings back years. I know. Years, Lisa Joe. So crazy. Of our conversations of um I won't call them false starts. They were like baby steps toward this idea that looked very different. I mean, going way back, there were other ways you thought maybe you could tell these stories mm -hmm. and us talking that through all the way to more recent you know, conversations where we were going back and forth on uh, images for the cover, typeface, uh, you know, um, as well as, uh, I forget if you already said this. If not, I'm going to say it again. I got to help you edit this write-up that is yes, here on Amazon. That, that <laughs> exists because I dragged you through it with me. And I have that to just was say, so much fun. Christy is the <laughs> kindest friend because like, I will just suddenly be like, oh my gosh, they need text for the back cover copy or for Amazon. And this is what I'm thinking. And what do you think? And then she, my literary professor friend, pauses and edits and literally like the minutia <laughs> of the word choices. Right. One word. Yeah. yeah. Like Christy will like spend. <laughs> time caring about with me like find you a friend who cares as much about the details of the thing you love as mm. you do is all i can say mm. and it's it's just purely fun when it's your friend's book and it's not your own yeah why so. it, that is <laughs> so true that is so true. yeah yeah and you can see more clearly i think too you're not so it yeah it's not so clear close in a way. I don't know. But also, I just really cared because I knew how good this book was. I knew um, how much it mattered. And I'm even going to drop this word in here, which I think we'll come back to. Um, I knew what an impact that mm. it, it was going to make, that it is going to make. And so getting those details right just felt even more important to to do what we could to give it that chance to um, to just have that really solid footing for for getting out there. So without further ado... Um, and again, you can look it up on Amazon and you're going to want to maybe even right now as you're listening, just pull it up on your phone if you can, um, because you're going to want to pre-order because it'd be a real shame if you forgot or don't do that thing I do sometimes where I think I have pre-ordered -pre and then a book <laughs> yeah. comes out and I realize everyone has started reading it and I'm like, oh, wait, darn, I thought <laughs> I, I pre-ordered it. So just do it now. Pull it up. It is called... It wasn't roaring, it was weeping by Lisa Jo Baker. And the subtitle here is Interpreting the Language of Our Fathers Without Repeating Their Stories. Oh, okay. So I'm going to read the little description. And, um, but before I do, I'm just going to tell you, friends, this is memoir, this is literature, this is a good story. So if you love stories, this this is your book. There's wisdom in it. There's truth. There's there's going to be some takeaways for you. But um, first and foremost, it's just a really excellent story. Okay. An honest and lyrical coming of age memoir of growing up in South Africa at the height of apartheid and an invitation to recognize and refuse to repeat the sins of our fathers from the best-selling author of Never Unfriended. Born white in the heart of Zululand during the racial apartheid, Lisa Jo Baker longed to write a new future for her children, a longing that set her on a journey to understand where she fit into a story of violence and faith, history and race. Before marriage and motherhood, she came to the United States to study to become a human rights advocate. When she naively walked right into America's own turbulent racial landscape, Baker experienced the kind of painful awakening that is both individual and universal, personal and social. Yet years would go by before she traced this American trauma back to her own South African past. Baker was a teenager when her mother died of cancer, leaving her with her father. Though they shared a language of faith and justice, she often feared him, unaware that his fierce temper had deep roots in a family's and a nation's pain. 
Decades later, old wounds reopened when she found herself spiraling into a terrifying version of her father, screaming herself hoarse at her son. Only then did Baker realize that to go forward, to refuse to repeat the sins of our fathers, we must first go back. With a story that stretches from South Africa's outback to Washington, D.C., It Wasn't Roaring, It Was Weeping is a courageous look at inherited hurts and prejudices and a hope-filled example for all who feel lost in life or worried that they're too off course to make the necessary corrections. Baker's story shows that it's never too late to be free. I feel like I'm going to cry. There's something I know, about I hearing. Was too. I was like, oh, keep it together. I mean, I guess for me, it's just this emotional moment of hearing it in your voice. I don't know. You've been on the journey with me for so long. And yeah, a long time. The podcast listeners have heard about the book way more, way more than anyone anywhere else. And so it feels emotional to share it with them and to have it live in the world now as something that other people will be able to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. May 7th. I think, Mine comes out May yeah, 7th. May 7th. So pre-order now. I think what is, like what I would want to emphasize for our listeners especially, because I feel like in talking about the book together here for the podcast, we're going to, we're able to say some things that, you know, aren't going to be maybe on your official mm. marketing sheets. And, you know, as when you go on other podcasts or hopefully, you know, other interviews and so on. Um, but I think because here is a space where we are known, where you are known, mm. where I'm known, our friendship is known, um, we can share things like this. And, th- and that is that you, you didn't just write a book about your story. You lived your story and you revisited your past and you you worked through things so that this last line, Baker's story shows that it's never too late to be free. I feel like that's what I witnessed is you in the writing of it, revisiting so much hurt and beauty and just, you know, everything in your story in order to be free. Mm. Um, that's the part that I think is, I, I just don't know if anyone who wasn't there with us in those moments mm. could even fully grasp grasp the extent to which like you were living a courageous story in in order to write this book and also the writing of this book helped you live this courageous mm. story like it's it's just a beautiful um weaving to me of of, of writing in order to to live free and i think for the reader there's going to be so many who read it and um, are, are set on that same path mm. to freedom because they've entered into your story. And yet you've done all this in a great story, <laughs> like a page turning story, which is so cool. But Christy, <laughs> I think I feel really emotional because I know where I was standing in your kitchen before you'd even like done any of the changes to your kitchen. So it like predates the changes to your kitchen. I was standing on the side of the sink side and you were like on the yeah. other side, which is a weird reverse because usually mm-hmm. you're like usually on the cooking on side. <laughs> <laughs> and you said this to me, I'll never forget it. You said to me, the thing about God is that he will heal us and free us as deep as we let him go. And you can write a story, Lisa Joe, that's sort of at the surface levels of a wound. Like you can write it there and God will meet you there and it will you know, encourage and bless and, you know, be interesting for readers. And I actually think the the last book I wrote, The Middle Matters, is that book. It's, I think, beautiful writing. It's really interesting stories, but it lives at the surface. And you said to me, however, if you are courageous and you will go deeper and allow God to go as deeply as he wants to into those really painful parts of your story, I think you will achieve a deeper freedom and it will be a stronger story. And I genuinely thought I was going to vomit when I heard you say that. Like that, I, yeah. I can viscerally yeah. in my body feel the nausea because I mm. remember thinking, but there are things I'm never like, I, it's like locked down at the very mm. bottom of the core of who I am. And I do not want those things to come out. And I just remember your 
gentleness in saying, and it's okay. Like if you aren't ever, if you never write about those things, that is okay. Like the Lord loves you and he meets you. But if you are willing to trust him, to go to those places, I think you'll write something. I don't know exactly what you said. It wasn't like you were like, that will change the world or anything, but you will write like a more powerful, true thing yeah. if you're willing to yeah. do that. And I it was such a crossroads moment where I just thought, mm-hmm. I don't, I genuinely don't think I could do it. <laughs> Sounds so yeah. terrible. But you talked about freedom. That's Those were the words you used, that you can, that God can heal and set you free mm-hmm. to the degree that you will allow him into your most wounded places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um I've seen God do that in your life. At the same time, even in retrospect, it is not it is not easy to say. See, like I I will not say. See, wasn't it worthwhile? Yeah. Because you really did go through hell <laughs> to, to get to heaven. I mean, like yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah, I mean that it it takes real courage to to allow. God to heal those deepest places. I mean, I say this as someone who, like, I'm not even sure I have that courage. Certainly not all the time. Um, and so, I'm just kind of in awe that you actually walked that road mm-hmm. and that God actually did the thing that we we believed that He could do. Um, and it's in this book, and yet it's in. I think the thing I love as a literature person, a book lover, it's in a book that isn't talking about this you know Mm. you didn't write a book about you know god healing our stories Mm. and you just you told the story and the story is a story of of that healing and that road to freedom um and i think we just need stories like that stories stick in our minds they work their way into our hearts they get past our defenses Mm. they're fun (laughs) you know i mean there's some hard things in your story for sure but it's just such an a I mean, I'll use the word enjoyable, like it's such an enjoyable read because it's oh, it just got all this texture of these different places of history, of experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love a book that takes me somewhere I can't go on my own. Like I, I, I maybe I'll visit South Africa one day, but I'll never visit mm-hmm. apartheid era, era South Africa, you know, yeah, that you yeah. grew up in. But I get to do that in your book. Yeah. And I love that. And so um, I don't know. So it, the fact that it it does so much and I think will have this impact. The fact that I know it has already had an impact huge mm. on you and your family generationally. Mm. Um, and yet it's also just going to be a powerful, wonderful reading experience, you know, for, for uh, the generosity of old friends is such a lovely thing. <laughs> I think, um, you know, in future episodes, maybe we'll dig a little more into how I like how I got to a point where I was ready to start writing and what the sort of the stepping stones of impetus were mm-hmm. to go there. I, I feel mm-hmm. like even right now I'm sweating profusely, I'm not ready to like talk more about that. But thank you for that generous introduction. I think part of what I, I think we're hoping to talk about today for the read, you know, for our listeners and the people who will read both of our books is a more uh, re- widely relatable idea that we started with is so if you've created something that you love and you want to send it into the world, and I mean, and this relates to like, I think about our teenagers, you know, the things they love yeah. that they're passionate about, whether it's sports or drumming or art or service or, you know, I, I think about Thaddeus and the kind of uh, career he's interested in, like whatever the thing is, all the work he's done mm-hmm. in his applications into college, like, when you've mm-hmm. done all that work, it becomes yeah. really difficult then to release it because you're hoping for a certain degree of, and this is the word, this degree of impact. Like mm-hmm. you're hoping it does mm-hmm. something. <laughs> and and I think that's yeah. part of what we want to unpack today because we can just, we are on the, you know, the near side of the release. They haven't come out yet. We don't know what the impact will be. Like we have, mm-hmm. and, we, and we have no control over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Mm -hmm. 
part of what I have been thinking about when you put something into the world that you've been working on for so long, and I think this applies too to parents who have kids launch into the world, right? Like you mm-hmm, already mm-hmm. have one out there. You yeah. and I both have ones that are launching this year. It's like talk about 18 years of sewing into something and then having no yeah. real control over what that would be like <laughs> when it launches into the world and will it come yeah. back and you know who's it going to be? And there is this question mark then about as as humans who are trying to be stewards of what God has asked us to do, what is our responsibility then once the thing leaves our hands? What are we supposed to hope for? What are we supposed to work toward? And part of where I wanted to begin this conversation is that as someone who works in publishing, I'm deeply aware of how much work is put into trying to launch something into the world with maximum impact. And I was struck recently because I was listening to a podcast with Andy Crouch and he was unpacking this concept of impact. And when I saw the title, I was like, oh my gosh, must listen. It's actually called The Impact Fetish. (laughs) We will link Mm -hmm. it here. And fetish is not a positive word. So immediately I thought, huh, what does Andy Crouch have to say about impact? Does he not think it's something we should strive for? And I confess there was part of me that's like, yes, please let me off the hook. Like, let me not have to stress about how this book does. (laughs) Yeah. And you really should go and listen to the podcast because it is it applies to everybody, no matter what it is that you're putting into the world. But he talks essentially about our obsession with accomplishing maximum impact. And we live in a culture where virality is the thing that's almost worshipped, right? Can you go viral? Can this thing you do be huge? Can you blow up? And he talked about how much in churches and in missions organizations, we use this language impact. We try to convince donors to give money because we want to have impact for the kingdom. We want Jesus to go viral. Like These are phrases that are just in the water around us all the time. And Andy was so interesting because he said, really, what we're talking about is force. Like, we want to have maximum force over the shortest period of time is what we want. So, like, force multiplied by time equals impact. And he was so interesting when he defined force because he said, you know, we all talk about impact as if we are able to do that, as if I, a single individual, (laughs) have in some way impacted culture. He said, people throw this world around word around all the time. I'm going to impact culture. I'm going to impact culture for the kingdom. And he's like, "Can't really? Like you, Lisa <laughs> Joe Baker, turning 50 this year, think you can impact culture? And uh, it was a very sort of freeing and humbling moment to listen to him say there are only three things that can truly impact culture in a noticeable way, like that that everybody else in North America slash maybe, maybe rippling into the world would notice. He goes, one is through mass amounts of wealth. So if you're like a billionaire, you can make an impact by building your own rocket ship and having everyone talk about mm-hmm. what you do or how much you finance the space program or what new build or roads or development that you have. Or think about it this way, how much money you put behind a political campaign, mm-hmm. right? Like you can have actual impact if you have mega wealth. <laughs> Most of us don't have that, FYI. That's the number one. Number two, he said, Military force, like that's another form of force. Mm -hmm. Really, only governments have access to that. Most of us don't. Uh, So maybe presidents can have impact, you know, presidents, prime ministers Mm -hmm. and dictators based on their military force. And the third kind of force, he said, is charisma. There are Mm -hmm. some people who are so compelling, so charismatic, and we know who they are because their entire podcasts devoted to how destructive some of these personalities have been on the church mm-hmm. or on culture. Or if you mm-hmm. look at the people that become huge influencers with millions and millions of followers, it's because their charismatic personality is perfectly mm-hmm. suited to the short form video content that we are all mm-hmm. consuming right now. And it was so liberating, Christy, to hear him say that. Like, these are the three forms. This is what force mm-hmm. looks like, but it's over a short period of time. And the reality is most of us will never have that kind of impact. So I'll pause before he shares a different kind of impact to just say, <laughs> like, how does that sit with you? Because for me, I I actually laughed out loud and mm-hmm. thought, oh, and here I am thinking my book's going to have impact in the next like four months or something. <laughs> like, It was very liberating. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about it, too, is you realize it's hearing those three things and then looking around at the world, I think it's also pretty easy to have destructive impact. Negative impact. 
Yeah. So to tear things down, to divide, to confuse, to sow chaos, that, that, yeah, that's accessible to those people with money and charisma and, and militaries and so on. But, um, but to have, to build, to grow, mm. <laughs> to cultivate, to heal, like that, that's harder. But also potentially, and then this is where maybe you can tell us what came next in his his um, argument, but potentially that's where we might actually have access um, in the power of God, you know, Christ to his life. We have some kind of access to the power of life and, and it's life that is about growing, building, healing, restoring, and so on. So um, that to me is like both a cautionary tale and also like maybe there's a little seed of something hopeful in there too for us. But tell me, yeah, mm. so what what, ha- what what did he say? What has yeah, well, his real impact? He or? then shared about how Christ had none of those three things. Like he's not described, like even with charisma, like I don't think charisma is the word people would have used to describe him. Mm -hmm. And he was he was actually described as someone I I forget the exact quote, right? Have no no physical nothing stood out about him, like physically. He wasn't like a Brad Pitt character, you know, like he wasn't Mm -hmm. super handsome. And um yet of course he was he had the charisma of being God, <laughs> but he wasn't charismatic in the way we might think of an influencer as being charismatic. He had none mm-hmm. of those three things. And when Satan tempts him, he offers him those three things, essentially power, you know, might, mm-hmm. wealth, and sort of attractiveness to the nations. And he declines mm-hmm. all three of those things. Mm-hmm. And instead, the kind of force Andy described Christ as having is the force of friendship, like relational. Mm-hmm. That was the force he oh. used. But over a long period of time, not a short mm-hmm. period of time. So it's friendship over like generations, like decades, mm-hmm. 12 people within that circle, three. And then those 12 ended up, you know, multiplying and being the reason that 2000 years later, mm-hmm. this religion based on Jesus is so massive across the world and that he was willing to invest in a few people over a long period of time because his impact is the slow generational role. And mm-hmm. uh, Andy talked about that, like God literally talks about thou- a thousand generations. I mean, you've all sung that pseudo annoying worship song, The Blessing, you know, to a thousand <laughs> oh, generations. Yeah. But like that is coming from somewhere. It's because God himself, yeah. like when he's talking about curses, he talks to the third and fourth generation. And when he talks about blessing, he says Mm -hmm. a thousand generations. That is hundreds of years Mm -hmm. is what he's talking Mm -hmm. in. And we live in a culture that's like the thing that was viral last week we can't remember anymore. Christ (laughs) is about generational impact. And so Andy was Mm -hmm. talking about that, that the impact we're actually called to have is across family lines, you know, like Mm -hmm. grandfather to father to child, like so I have talked to you and about this forever, this idea of like we yeah. get to write a new story. like, yeah. And that takes like, you know, 18 years I've been at it so far, you know, with my mm-hmm. oldest. Mm-hmm. And even like, so that emphasis on friendship is great too, but so to remember that Jesus, um, like in his ministry, he didn't marry and have biological children. Yeah. So we're talking about a kind of generational impact that is not only for those who do marry right. and have children. Right. That might that might be it. And it absolutely is about these family stories and um, the kind of generational story that you're writing about in your book. Um, but also that it's friendship too yes. is is really special. And that's, you know, such a key theme for our own podcast. It's it's another way of thinking about why friendship matters and the kind of impact a friendship can have. That's that is new for me to think about because when I think about, um, like before, if, you know, before you told me all that and you asked, like, well, does friendship have an impact? I would have thought, like, well, yes, on me, on you, like mm, on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It help, helps us somehow. Like, right. it, yes, of course, but not this sense of like world impact or mm. impact outside of ourselves. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have thought of that. So that, that, yeah, that just makes me think, oh, okay, what does that actually look like in my life? And, and um, how cool to think that like pouring into people um, might be the exact path to having the kind of impact we do desire that is um, like, 
don't want to say like beyond these people, but somehow like much bigger than just our relationship. Right. Um, it kind of reminds me, and this is because I've been doing some writing for my church. One of the things I I picked up, we talked last week about just this the mar- margin and spaciousness that we had um, as we laid the podcast down for a season. So one of the things I picked up was, and and is still serving as writer in residence at my church, which has been so wonderful, such a great experience. And I'll just put a little plug in, like if you're in a church. Think about it. I just think, <laughs> I think it is such um, a wonderful thing for a church to do. Um, if that church has communicators, writers, artists, creators in their midst to say, um, hey, what would it look like for you to use those gifts um, on behalf of this church community and to pay that person to s- support them, to not ask them to just do that work as a volunteer? Um, we all volunteer in different capacities, of course, in our church communities, but um, talking about something beyond that. So anyway, I've been writer, doing writing on behalf of my church. And so partially that means like writing ahead liturgically. Mm. So I've been writing some things for Lent, <laughs> even though like as we record this, Lent hasn't quite started. I think it'll be about to start maybe when this airs, but not even quite. Anyway, so I've been writing about Lent and I've even been writing about um the Maundy Thursday, which is the Thursday right before Easter. And um, so my head has been in that last evening Jesus spent with his friends. So that last meal, when they were all around the table, right before he was betrayed, right before he went to the cross. And just the the powerful um, story, because what does he do? He washes their feet. He, he mm-hmm. washes their friend, his friend's feet. And and then when they're just like shocked, like what is going on? He's 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 sort of giving them his last most important advice. Like he's saying, like I'm not going to be here much longer. And so this is what you most need to know. You need to serve one another. You mm-hmm. need to love one another. It is about this one to one serving and loving, like in the most deep, deep way, which is this bending down and washing someone's dirty feet. Mm. I don't know. So just recently I was so, it's like a story we've all heard a million times mm. if, if we've been in the church and somehow reading it again this time, I thought that is wild that that was the most important thing he wanted his friends to experience and to carry with them right before his death. Mm. Um, and to me, that's like those other things that Andy was talking about in the podcast, like huge wealth, mm. armies, um, charisma, and then he, this is almost like the inversion of those things, right. the person who bends down and washes someone else's feet. Like mm. it is the exact all the way through opposite right. of those things. Yeah. And yet that is what he did hours before he was betrayed. Mm. That was the last most important task of his ministry. So why do I think that I have more important work than than mm. friendship, than serving, than loving? Mm-hmm. Why, uh, clearly, no. Like clearly, this right. this is actually the most impactful thing in some way. Yeah. That even as I'm saying it, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't fully get it. I believe it, but I don't fully get it. It's yeah. so wild. There are this word friend, and I'm so glad you you reminded us. You know, the really the heart of this conversation isn't about generational families impact, although that is part of it. Mm-hmm. But it really is relational. It's the relational Mm -hmm. impact that we have. So whether that's within our families or our church community or the people at your work, like the people Mm -hmm. that are around you are where you have the most impact. And so I've been thinking about this word friend, and there are three contexts that I wanted to share that have been so uniquely interesting to me to have it shared that way. And because it's, I've started hearing it in these conversations um, I've been thinking a little bit about it. So my first reference is a literary one, and uh, it's a quote from a book. And let's see if Christy can place it, but it's a great sentence. <laughs> the sentence is, speak, friend, and enter here. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's, uh, yes, Lord of the Rings. Yes. It's the, yes. They're at the do- Moria. Are they at yep. the doors, the gates? Yep. So Gandalf and the, the the company are sitting, trying to enter the mines of Moria, and written in Elvish across the, you know, above the doors is written, speak, friend, and enter here. 
And Gandalf is sitting there for hours, like trying to figure <laughs> it out like it's a riddle until he realizes, wait, this was written in the days before, you know, the Dark Lord, before all this mm -hmm. treachery. And they are being very open, like literally just say the word friend and the doors <laughs> will open. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think it's just a beautiful, for me, a metaphor of how friendship, we think it's got to be complicated, but it's just this idea of just be the friend be the friend you've heard this that you want so speak friend and enter is the first thing that's been knocking around in my head the second thing is this jesus when he used this word friend and he used it quite a bit mm -hmm. yeah. he uses it to address judas in the pivotal moment where judas comes up to him in the garden to betray him mm -hmm. and it's interesting because just hours before his best friends have fallen asleep and he goes to wake them up and he's frustrated and torn and tortured. And he says to them, like, couldn't you just stay awake for a short while? And it's like he's irritated with them. But when Judas approaches him in the garden, Jesus calls him friend. It's the first thing he says to him. And in the commentaries that I've read, he isn't being sarcastic. It's not a put down. He isn't criticizing Judas. He is actually addressing him as a real friend, like the way you would address one of those other guys in the garden. He is mm -hmm. using an intimate word, and he's using it to point back to three years of intimate friendship. That is really powerful to me. Like mm -hmm. In that moment, Jesus calls Judas what he has always been to him. And I don't know, there's part of the literary in me who wants to imagine is Jesus giving Judas like one last chance, like to to recognize mm -hmm. what's between them? Like we are friends, you know, like what are you doing? Like remember who mm -hmm. you are. It's okay if you want to accuse me of sacrilege, but my brain works that way sometimes. I just wonder, like it's mm -hmm. such a powerful word to use. And then the third picture I've had of it that surprised me, I've never thought of it this way, but kind of connects back to the Gandalf quote is that, and again, this was an Andy Crouch teaching from the same podcast. I had never heard this, but the book of Ruth, which Andy laughingly said, he's just so tired of it being used as an example of like a romance or a marriage story because it's not what it is. <laughs> but that Ruth actually means friend is it was, that mm -hmm. is what it is. Like Ruth is not the name of this woman. Like Ruth means friend. The book is named for what it means to be a friend to somebody. And Ruth is offered as a model of what sacrificial, living, committed, relational friendship is. And it blew my mind. And he mm -hmm. talks about how the friendship between Ruth and Naomi had generational impact because Ruth came back with Naomi, stayed with her, meets Boaz. Boaz exercises a real sacrificial friendship to both of them. And it's through that that covenant friendship that generationally we then get Jesus being of the line of Ruth because Ruth came with Naomi because she was her mm -hmm. friend. Mm -hmm. Those three pictures have really stuck with me as I think mm -hmm. about what does impact mean. Mm -hmm. That if you're just looking at it on the day-to-day -day with Ruth and Naomi, there's just like deep shared sorrow and suffering. They are together in it. And then, you know, like three generations later, like hundreds of years later, we get Christ out of that storyline. And so when I think about things like our books, what's been really powerful for me has been essentially what you did, like how you testified to the journey you've been on with me, like how you walked this with me, how we together decoded things, and you helped me make sense. But the larger book itself, the impact has already been had, generationally speaking, when I look mm -hmm. back at like my grandfather to my father to me to my sons, four generations, so much time. <laughs> and mm -hmm. how could I possibly compare book sales or reviews in the next several months to generational impact of change that has actually happened in our family. So for me, it really was like this huge watershed moment about how I understand what the book is doing and in fact has done when I think about anything that we're putting into the world, listener, like whatever that thing is, when you start to look at the impact, my husband always says this thing, it will, what matters is how you define success. Like what matters is how you define impact. And if you want to define mm -hmm. it by force, 
then mm-hmm. I think you will always be disappointed. You just will. Like there'll be this like zero point 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 you know zero one percent of people who experience force in the way that is massive cultural impact that everybody can see. The rest of us will experience it as a divine kind of impact that probably echoes into eternity with a much more massive weight than anything Mm -hmm. that we might see here. And I Mm -hmm. I have just found that deeply encouraging walking into this book Mm -hmm. launch season. Mm -hmm. It is encouraging. And, um, and I promise I'm not just trying to wind things back to my book. No, I that's promise. why we're here to go back <laughs> But, you know, and we're, forth. Ju- we're here yes. just trading stories. Yes. And um, just thinking about this idea of friendship and even maybe wanting to expand that a bit, mm. even beyond the person to person. So it is, first of all, friendship. Sure. Right? So that is the primary meaning here. Right. And, and that's, that's the main thing. But... One scripture that was motivating me as I wrote this book, which actually doesn't show up, I don't think, anywhere in the book, um, because it's just it's one of the things that was almost like deep background for me, um, was, and now I don't even, I'm not going to be able to re- even recall what the exact scripture, but it's, um, we'll find it, um, but it's um, that idea of Christ reconciling all things mm. to himself. Yeah. So it's just this picture almost of um of who christ is as reconciler as as someone who is reconciling humans to god but also humans to one another but also creation gets pulled into this because the story scripture tells of redemption is not just a story of our our redemption as individual humans Mm. but is the redemption of the whole cosmos all yeah. of creation yeah. you know that is why creation is groaning mm. for the day when the sons of god will be revealed when we will be revealed in glory mm. um that is such an important part of the story and so i don't know it's kind of been a a kind of a jokey thing between us here on the podcast that you know the books you love and the things you're interested in are mostly about people and their stories and friendship <laughs> and their relationship <laughs> and the things i'm interested in are yeah. like nature and flowers and like not people (laughs) but at some level and these are the things we get to learn when we when we lean in close in in relationship as you and i you know have a relationship it's almost like we go deeper and we realize these are all we're talking about all the same things Mm. we're talking about this this whole web of life like you know christ in whom we live and move and have our breathing who is holding everything together and that is us and that is the whole world. Mm. Um, there is some deep reconciliation that is happening that we see that becomes visible in healthy friendships, healthy families, generational healing, and thriving communities, mm. beautiful gardens, and earth that is cared for. Like these are not separate categories yeah. at some level. This is a life that is sustained by Christ um, at and it touches everything. Nothing good and alive is outside of it. Mm. It is all inside of it. Um, so I know that's very abstract, but to me, it's just this encouragement that like, it's almost like in, in tiptoeing into these waters of this topic, we're diving into a sea in which we find everything. Mm. And um, and, and I, so I just offer that as encouragement for those who like, you know, there might be people listening say, oh, I don't have kids or I don't have a family mm. or, you know, I'm not in a, a family line or I don't mm. um, I don't have a lot of friends or there's so few people in my life. But, man, I have all these dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people like that who like who have clearly followed a calling to like care for animals. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's not you or me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I've got animals here, but, you know, <laughs> they're not weighing too heavy on my heart. They maybe should be. but. Um, I don't know. So I just that diversity of mm. of how the love of Christ, the reconciling love of Christ shows up in our lives. You know, for you and I, it looks like writing these books and being faithful to these stories. And for those listening, it's just going to flower in all these different cool ways. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm just 
blowing it wide open and saying it's about everything and it's just so beautiful <laughs> you can tell that we've had five months off because this is like now yeah, nearly an hour stop. long conversation <laughs> we got to save some of that for next week uh, oh there's so much good stuff to unpack but i think it's just also evidence of our own tanks being refilled you know we mm-hmm. have a lot of thoughts yeah. and it's such a delight to share them with you guys here on the podcast so thank you for listening so in case you missed it, please go and pre-order our books is also part of, the, <laughs> part of the request over here. I think because if we are a community together, this is a creative this creative art that we've made and is an extension of the conversations we have here on the podcast. So our hope always is that you will find something good there too. We It's kind of like having that conversation where you're like, but I want to talk to you more about this other thing. And we'd like to invite you to to read the books. And I guess on that note too, I think we're going to just add every time at the end of the podcast an invitation. If you feel moved to in some way partner with our show financially, um, we don't have ads anymore. It's one of the things that we Mm -hmm. felt like in this new season we wanted to let go of, but we have still the same expenses of running the show. So we always include a little link to our PayPal account. There's no required amount. Just as the spirit moves, if you feel moved to, to add something uh, we thank you in advance for that because it helps us cover the costs of running the show. But all that to say, thanks for being at the table with us. I think there are a lot of good conversations to come still about titles, about cover design, about how do you write a book that feels like a trauma? Like, what do you do? How do you finish a trilogy? Like, what do you, how does that happen? What comes next? Um, and our hope is always to knit those into things that can be relatable, no matter whether you ever care to write a book or not. So thank you for being <laughs> at the table with us, Christy. Thank you for being my friend, speak friend, and uh-huh. how she'll enter. I just feel like there's so many moments when you have been the friend who has opened a door for me to help figure out parts of my life or my story or my writing or my parenting. But I haven't known how to, and I'm so grateful. Well, it is a privilege to do this Ruth life Mm. with you. (laughs) Podcast assistance for this show is provided by the fabulous Jody Smith. If you're looking to start a podcast or you need help with editing, we highly recommend you contact him at jodysmith.com slash ordinary. That's Jody, J-O-D-E-Y, smith.com slash ordinary.